guys, this is Desi, and welcome back to my podcast, Candle in a Dark Room. So today, my special guest is Kay Jenkins. Kay Jenkins is a life coach and real estate agent who strives to inspire by sharing her story. She grew up in a trailer park with a dysfunctional family and an abusive mother, who was also a drug addict. Then, a few years ago, her brother was in a traumatic car accident, which left him with a traumatic brain injury. She is a very strong woman, and I love to watch her Instagram posts because she is very inspirational, raw, and just real with everything. So I am super excited to have you here. Thank you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I kind of just gave a little bit of a brief description of how you grew up, but do you want to start kind of from the beginning and tell us how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I obviously we all have the good and the bad, right? So it wasn't wasn't always traumatic. Mm-hmm. There were some times um, when I was younger where being with my brother was always like my happy time when mm-hmm. I when he was teaching me how to do something or when he was picking on me. Those are the memories that I look back on and I'm like, wow, I actually had there were some decent times there. Mm-hmm. But he was favorited in the family, so okay. I was uh, like a, a one child that was abused. It was just me and Kyler. My mom never touched him. Never. It was always me. Was he older? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, two years. Okay. 18 months. For a long time, she would only do it when Kyler wasn't looking because she knew, I think, how he would feel about it, right? Him Mm. and I were so close. And it would be when, you know, she was drunk or when she was high. And Kyler would be at his friend's house. And I wasn't allowed to go to my friend's house, but Kyler was. Kyler's allowed to have friends over. I wasn't allowed to have friends over. And so it... Only when we got older, I think, to a point where I started to realize something was wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not normal. Right. <laughs> where I started to talk to my brother about it and open up and ask, you know, well, why do you get treated this way and I get treated this way? Is, mm-hmm. is, that, is that okay? And Kyler hadn't really noticed, but he started to pick up on some of those things. Mm-hmm. And it, it became, like, he was more aware of it. And I remember the last time my mom laid hands on me, it was because Kyler stood in the way. And oh, said, wow. don't touch my baby sister. You're done. And for me, that was a time where I kind of defined myself as someone who could choose to allow that to kind of define, like, the path that I was going to take to, like, oh, you know, I was abused, so I'm not loved, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not worth certain things in this life. Or um, can I show myself that love? And can I learn right. to embrace who I am as a person because of what I went through. Right. You know, believing that everything happens for a reason and mm-hmm. that I, you know, all of that was calculated so that I could become who I am today. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, after that, it kind of steadied out for a while. Then my mom just was focusing on neglecting us. It wasn't mm. really focusing on abusing. It was just neglection. And I mean, Kyler was off doing his thing. We had no discipline as far as like, curfew or structure like it was really like you could everyone, do whatever you everyone wanted. could come to our house actually it was like the party the house party house right if someone wanted to get high they're like oh we're gonna go to kyler and kaylee's house because their mom's not gonna do anything about it like oh, we were okay. known for that it was mm-hmm. kind of sad yeah and i mean from there it kind of came in phases like my mom started to allow more to happen and that's where kyler's drug addiction started Mm-hmm. And he was stealing pain pills from my mom and getting addicted to opiates. Okay. And so, you know, he needed those pain pills because they're so addictive. Right. And when my mom started kind of locking hers up because she needed them for herself, that's when Kyler turned to the streets and found heroin. 
Okay. And so... And while he was doing this and starting to do heroin and your mom was still doing drugs, what were you doing during this time? I mean, I was, like, watching from afar. I mean, Kyler kept the heroin from me for a long time. Because you were a teenager, right? I, yeah, and I was partying. Okay. I was, like, I was a I was a beer pong girl, drinker, mm-hmm. pot smoker. I was never into the super hard drugs. But I was also going to raves, you know, okay. and, like, doing kind of, like... The dancing, you know, right. taking Molly sort of thing. Like, that was kind of my vibe. And I was, we had kind of separated because he was going his way with his friends. Mm-hmm. I was going my way with my friends. And it was high school, you know. Right. We kind of had, like, defined ourselves as individuals at that point. But when we were at home, we were thicker than thieves. Mm-hmm. But when we were at school or out, you know, it was different. Had your own lives. And so, for a while, I just wasn't picking up on it, you know. But the last year before his accident was so rough I mean there were times when we I mean my mom found him almost overdosed down in the basement and refused to call the cops like Mm -hmm. wouldn't do anything to like help him I'm like mom begging him please like we need to do something he's obviously addicted here we couldn't afford rehab she wouldn't call the cops like his only other choice was like to die like literally Mm -hmm. he was using so much that that was his only other option, you know, when you get to a certain point. Yeah, that you don't have another option, bottom, right. There's, there's nothing else you can do. And when this was going on, what was your relationship like with him? Had it kind of started to drift away? Because Absolutely. obviously he's yeah. just focused on drugs. Okay. And here's me. I mean, as party girl as I was, I still kept it like a 3.5 GPA. I was oh, very wow. smart. I always mm-hmm. kept my grades up. I just did my work and then left class. And so for me, I'd come home and be like, hey, mom, I've got a debate competition next week. Like, can you come? And she wasn't paying attention to anything that I was accomplishing or, Mm. like, all the good I was doing. It was always focused around, oh, well, Kyler stole this. He pawned that. He, you know, he overdosed this weekend. Or it was always something. Only the bad thing. It was always something, you know. And so, yeah, I was, like, telling my brother that I hated him. And Mm. I don't even know who you are anymore. And... You know, is, is do you want to end up like mom? Is that really, you know, I was I was angry with him. Right. He wasn't overcoming the darkness. He mm-hmm. was allowing it to consume him. Man, but do I regret saying some of the things that I said to him because I didn't know that within months I wouldn't even have the opportunity to hear him speak to me anymore. So you know? how did that whole thing happen? Well, Kyler had actually been sober for two weeks. Okay. And he wasn't using... He had, you know, basically made a decision that he was going to try and turn his life around. And I was going to a party that weekend. He had just bought in a car. And he came to me and said, hey, Kay, I want to, like, go hang out with some new friends. So I'm not around my friends, right? Mm Because that's what they did. And so um, there was, like, a big kegger that night, Jungle Juice party. And I took him with me because he was going to drive. Kyler was going to be the DD because he had the car. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, it kind of, like, step by step throughout the night, it, it blurs out. And I think I've subconsciously kind of blocked a lot of that out. Right, part of your post-traumatic, yeah. your traumatic brain right now had yeah, to protect you. Exactly. We uh, we went to the party together, and Kyler did drink. And he had drinking a lot. And we were going to have one of my friends drive the car for him. He refused. He said he was fine. Took his keys. And Kyler was very stern. I mean, you know, how... Just as expressive as I am, Kyler is probably, like, 20 times as more, like, Mm -hmm. dominant and able to just kind of, like, make things happen. He was Mm kind of the it guy. Everyone wanted to be his friend. All the girls wanted to date him. Mm -hmm. And he just had this light about him that you didn't question, you know. So, you know, we believed that he would be okay to drive. 
no one wanted to get in the vehicle with him because I think they could tell how intoxicated he was. But me, I, I had my blinders on. It's my big brother. I trust right. him, right? You know, I was so happy to kind of like have him back. And it was like, oh, he's clean. You know, things are going to turn around. We're having fun together, bonding. We're hanging out. Right. Like, that's weird. I haven't hung out with my brother in years, you mm-hmm. know? So for me, I just, I was just high on life from the night and having fun. And so I got in the car with him. Mm. And immediately, though, he was, like, driving like a maniac. And it mm. was scary. And I was in the back seat because I wanted to, like, lay down. But I was flying all over. Mm. And I remember calling my mom using my little flip phone because that's what we had mm-hmm. back then. And calling my mom and, like, Mom, you've, you've got to come get us. Kyler's drinking and driving. She's obviously pissed as hell that we're even bothering her in the middle of the night, mm. right? And so him hearing me calling my mom, he pulled over. And I remember it was on 90th and Redwood. Mm. He had pulled over, let me out on Redwood. He got to 90th and Bangator when he hit a yield sign, swerved through the intersection, and then his car wrapped completely around the metal pole right there on 90th and So he had just let you out. Just let me out, like within minutes. Mm. Minutes. And my mom was minutes behind that, came and got me, 5 or 10. As soon as I got in the car with my mom, we got the call. And my mom, I just remember her driving frantically to get to the hospital. It was right there, Jordan Valley. Yeah, I was going to say, right by Jordan Valley. And when they pulled him out of the ambulance, I just remember my mom screaming, bloody murder. Like, that's the one thing I remember about that night is, like, the sound of my mom's scream scream of just, I think that's when, like, she just lost it for good. And they're on top of him, giving him you know, CPR and... Oh, so at this point, they're still trying to resist him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was, like, on a bag and, like... For me, I didn't comprehend any of it, though. I'm like, they're just going to get him up there and everything's going to be okay. Like, he's going to wake up. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I had to tell myself throughout, you know, the whole process. Right. I mean, throughout that night, I remember family started showing up back and forth, and then I'm still trying to sober up Mm -hmm. because I had been drinking that night. And I had done pills that night and think just not not being so you weren't sober at the moment yeah no absolutely not and I think that fogged a lot of my memory for months after that it was waiting for him to wake up so he he was was just in a coma he was in a coma for he was on life support for three months wow he was in a coma for six and only when they were going to transport him to like a long-term care facility I remember just always thinking and every day I'd go to school and everybody would be like how's your brother is he okay did he wake up yet Mm. and I'd get those same questions answered to me and I for nine months for months 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 and one day I got asked one too many times and I was not in a good mood I had fought with my mom that morning before I left for school I was out of weed I was a little bit of an addict myself at the time Mm -hmm. and this girl wanted to pick a fight with me so I just lost it on her and everything that I felt for my brother not waking up and everything that my mom had put me through, I, I wailed on this girl pretty mm-hmm. badly and I hurt her because of how I felt about myself. Mm-hmm. I was so mad at myself, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, I was depicting anger outside of myself. And so I got kicked out of school and within a week I was put into state's custody where they saw what happened to my brother. We had the same judge, me and Kyler growing up. So any charge he caught, my judge was aware. Any charge I caught, judge was aware. So Mm. looking at the situation in a whole, they're like, okay, 
you're obviously not, you're an unfit going on mother. Me. Right. You know? Right. So it's obviously something going on at home. And they looked at my mom and just said, we're taking your daughter away. And from there, this was when I was 17 years old. I didn't get to see Kyler wake up, you know, from his coma. I didn't really get a lot of progress updates because I was in solitary confinement. They had me in a detention center. Oh, you were in DT. Basically kid jail right. for three months. Why I, were you in there from the fight? From the fight. And then I went to a party that night that got raided. And I had an underage oh. drinking ticket. And I had okay. 10 before. And they're just like, what right. are you going to learn? You know what right. I mean? And so I think it all, like, it's so crazy. The universe just aligned it all the way that it needed to happen because mm-hmm. I was spiraling downhill. And you would have ended up where your brother was. If exactly. You yeah. Or where my mom's at. Those were my choices mm-hmm. if I continued to do what I was doing. And so they took me away and I was, like I said, detention for three months. Being in there, I wasn't allowed to wear my own clothes. The food is just as bad as they tell you it is. Yep. I I was in something similar, so I totally know. It's like hospital food, but worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, sleeping on concrete slabs and, you know, being singled out by other girls that want to fight you because of the color of your skin. That was really kind of when I grounded myself and was like, I used that time to reflect. I tried to utilize it to the best of my ability, which I read so many books. Mm -hmm. I probably read over 30 books in the nine months that I was detained right and I educated myself and like found this other side of me that was like wow I'm intellectual like this is this explains why I was always keeping good grades right explains why I always wanted more for myself it kind of just opened this like light inside of me that was like there's more for you Mm -hmm. and that's why you're here because if you weren't here would you ever have picked up a book and like figured out who you were right you know yeah exactly um so finally when a bed opened I Got to go to like a step out of that and go live in a girls' group home where okay. you know I was a little more comfy, the food was a little better, <laughs> yeah. And I was there, that was a 12 step program mm-hmm. for basically like addiction, right? They treat anything that you had had your charges for like an addiction, so they were essentially calling me an alcoholic, okay, at the age of 17 because I had 10 underage drinking tickets, so mm-hmm. I looked like someone who woke up and chugged a bottle of vodka. Okay. That wasn't the case. Okay. It I was just, you just party. You just I, exactly. Overly Every party. Weekend but, I was partying. Right. But it know? wasn't like an everyday, all day thing. Okay. Exactly. But I had to just, I learned that you, if you try to justify right. anything right. in there, it's like, you need more treatment. You know? you, you're not learning anything. No, I, I get that. So I, I did. I really just kind of like took in everything they were teaching me. I did my therapy. I worked my steps. I started to kind of like love this side of feeling like I was in control of my future. Did you feel like therapy and everything was helping? Like no. just kind of, you didn't feel like you got oh, anything from that no. much? Okay. I bullshitted my way through the whole therapy thing. Okay. But what did help me was the internal reflection that I okay. was doing, which was reading the self-improvement books, teaching mm-hmm. myself tools and coping skills and communication skills and meditation skills mm-hmm. to love myself. Because I feel like... Don't get me wrong. I think therapy could work for some people if, right. if, it, if it's with the right person who yeah. genuinely does want to hear what you have to say. And, exactly. And you need that someone. But for me, I'm a huge, like, internal reflector. And I know what I need. And I know what I need to hear. And so, like, I'll give myself what I need. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what worked for me. And then that just spiraled into, to this day, I still use that tactic for anything that I need to work on, that I need to express. I just felt like I, I was kind of in control of healing myself. Mm-hmm. Like, if that was my responsibility. I had to take accountability for who I was. And the mm-hmm. situation that I was given, I was given the shit under the stick. 
Right. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. But why was I given that? And, and for a long time, for actually a couple of years, I found God. Okay. I, you know, my grandparents were big Christians. And when I was finally released from state's custody, by the way, I came home to, so I won't skip that because this is a very key part to, to kind of my career path. Okay. I came home from treatment and Kyler was in a basement at my mom's house. 80 pounds underweight. She was upstairs doing God knows what in her bedroom. There was one morning where I'd kind of help start take care of him, go down and check on him in the mornings, and then my mom would come down a couple hours later to, like, get him dressed for the day and, you know, change him and things like that. And one morning we had this, like, alarm to notify her when she needed to come down. Mm -hmm. She wasn't answering for, like, an hour. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go check on mom. Like, I'll be back, you know. And I'm pounding on her door. I just remember this day so clearly because it literally was probably the turning point in my life that Mm. defined the dedication that I was going to give to a better life for myself and my Mm -hmm. brother. I kicked down the door to kind of get into my mom. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I kicked down the door, she woke up. She was asleep with a cigarette on her chest with an ash as big as my finger with three lines of meth lined out on her nightstand. And her room was just a disaster. Like, everything. Like, holes in her blankets. Like, just a tweaker room. You know, say she was just basically binging. And since I had been home, I hadn't been in my mom's room. Mm. It was a shock to me. I had to, like, look around and literally, like, be aware of my surroundings. Like, what am I walking into right Right. now? And she just looked at me, and I could tell she was out of... She's like, okay, I'll be down in a minute. I don't think she realized I saw the drugs. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her, and I was like, I'm I'm calling Grandma and Grandpa. That was, Mm -hmm. like, the only thing I could say. And, like, she just... Looked at me, begged me, like, no, what's wrong? Like, we can work through this. I'll quit. I'll quit. Immediately starting to, like, just spew right. lies and, and venom to justify her behavior. You mm-hmm. know, well, I've got your, got your brother downstairs, and, and he can't walk. and Just you know, making excuses exactly. for her behavior. Exactly. And for all I know, Kyler can hear it through the vents. Mm. So Kyler's downstairs, like, hating himself because, right. you know, he's, he's going to blame himself because of what my mom decided to put up her nose. Mm. But I didn't listen to any of it. I was like, you know, I just got out of treatment. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I just fixed myself and got away from this path. Right. And you're still pursuing it? Seriously? Right in front of me. How yeah. old are you now, Mom? Did Kyler's accident not teach you anything mm-hmm. about what not to do with your life? Because you doing this kind of stuff is what got Kyler where he's at. Right. You can blame me for taking him to the party all you want, but you're the one that was addicted to opiates that got him to addicted to opiates. You set an right. example, and you taught him that it was okay to do things like that. Right. So if you want to point blame anywhere here, let's consider the source. Right. And I just, I remember kind of just losing it on her, saying exactly how I felt, what I wanted to see happen from that point forward. My grandparents lived about three hours outside of Salt Lake. They came in as quick as they possibly could, and we immediately got Kyler to a doctor to get, like, an evaluation and make sure mm. he was okay. Got him out of the situation because it was lethal, mm. essentially. And they gave my mom 90 days to, like, get clean, figure out a treatment program. My stepdad at the time, my mom's husband was, like, out of town. He was doing it with her, though, you know. Oh, so, like, okay. they were, yeah, it wasn't, like, a secret. Yeah. But they called Josh and was like, don't come back to Tiffany, my mom. You leave her alone. Let her kind Mm -hmm. of figure her life out. And that's when they took Kyler out to Vernal, out to the farm that they've got out there and Mm -hmm. got him healthy. And 
how I know he was 80 pounds underweight was because the doctors told us. Like, average weight for... He was malnourished. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Not being fed properly. His medication wasn't being given properly. And he wasn't progressing nearly at a state that he needed to be. What exactly was he diagnosed with and everything that happened after the accident? Yeah, so he had ripped his brain stem. Which is what connects your body to your mind. Saying, do this, do that. How you and I are communicating right now. Your Mm -hmm. brain stem wires that to your mouth how to move it properly right right? so and no two traumatic brain injuries are the same so there's no way to calculate hey this happened with this person you're going to see this progress because this happened there you just don't know everyone's different because their brains are wired different Mm -hmm. you know so you learn a lot about how humans operate and what they're actually capable of when they're in a situation like that Mm -hmm. like how are they going to persevere or are they not at all you know? Right. And so they had checked on Kyler, made sure that we got him where he needed to be healthy again. I had a choice to move to Vernal with my grandparents. So I had a place to live because I was basically homeless at this point. Mm-hmm. Was still kind of looking for a job. Again, I had just gotten out of treatment. I just turned 18. I'm an adult. I graduated high school. I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? I'm done with right. charges. I'm done Like, I had been away from everyone for a year. I barely had any friends. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I going to do? Right. And I wanted to be with my brother so bad. I was getting ready to move to Vernal. And Kyler told me not to. And he, I remember having a conversation with Kyler one night before we left the hospital to go out to Vernal. And he said, you need to go live your life. You need to. So he can talk. No, he communicates through sign language. Oh, so and I had already become fluent in sign language. Okay, so he told you that it was you know he he spells it out. It's a it's a very different kind of um, communication with one another, but we understand each other and still connected at the heart and Mm -hmm. and the mind there. So he just I remember him telling me and like spelling it out. You have to go live your life. Mm. This is not for you. What are you gonna do in Vernal? Like, simple questions where I'm like, wow, my big brother really does want the best for me. Right. Because I could see... He still has the same intentions for you and wishes for you. But it was the sober Kyler. Right. It wasn't the Kyler on drugs. It was the The Kyler Kyler you always knew. protective of me and wanted to see me succeed and Mm -hmm. and really loved me, you know, Mm -hmm. and was observant of me and my behavior and the actions I was taking to see if it was going to benefit me or, you know, self-destruct me. Right. And I think he knew that if I were to go out to Vernal, I just wouldn't be happy. Right. He knew that I was gone for a year. You know, he missed me. He's like, okay, well, where's my sister? You know, he knew that I had just lived in a prison. Right. He didn't want me living in another one. He wanted you to set off on your own and be free from everything. I feel like just from the stuff that you've said, I mean, it seems like you, you were not only in prison for a year. You were literally like that in your entire life in a sheltered, locked up, even though you could go out in the real world, you really weren't at home. You were in such a, like, prison. And so I can see that, especially as an older sibling. I'm the oldest sibling of just knowing, that like, you're better than that. And he could see that, which is, I think, amazing. Yeah, he, uh, very intuitive, mm-hmm. you know. And even to this day, he, he just knows. Like, I'll go see him, and he's, you know, asking me, are you staying safe? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I almost bought a motorcycle, and he's like, so aware of like yeah he just knows things it's it's really weird his other senses are heightened 
because he doesn't have other senses. Okay. And so I feel like he's just gained the ability to pay attention mm. really well. And I'm just, I'm really proud of the progress that he's made because doctors did predict that Kyler would be a vegetable the rest of his life yeah. so that he wouldn't be able to walk or talk again or that he simply just wouldn't make it out of life support. And he beat both of those odds. Granted, he can't walk or talk currently, but he does communicate through sign language. He does wheel himself around in his chair. Mm-hmm. And he does cause mischief. He does grab nurses' butts. He does flirt. <laughs> he does flip people off. He's yeah. still, his personality is still completely embodied him. And I'm so proud to see that in him. Right. But did I still lose a part of my brother that night? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it the same? No. I think the hardest part about it was coming to accept that he was never going to be the same because I had this idea in my head that consistently kept me going for so long that one day I'm going to wake up and Kyler's going to be Kyler again, right? Mm -hmm. That he'll be able to go play tackle football with him or I'll be able to go shoot guns with him or go fishing and do these things that we used to do together. And that's when I was saying earlier, I kind of found the path of God. Mm -hmm. My my grandparents and everyone's like, you know, if you have faith, things are going to get better. Mm. And... I don't want to offend anyone with my opinions about kind of where that took me, but I do want to be honest and open about my journey to accepting my situation. And for so long I had false hope Mm. and false faith because I had an agenda. Right. I was like, I will believe in you, God, if you heal my brother. You were waiting for the miracle. I was waiting for it. And that's honest. I think the whole family has been. We've Mm -hmm. all waited for it. Because again, like I mentioned, Kyler was the light of everything. He was basically the the heart of our family. Mm -hmm. You know, grandpa's favorite baseball player, my mama's favorite son, like everyone loved him. Mm -hmm. And so having to believe that he was going to be better one day got us through his healing and got us through his therapy, physical, speech, occupational, that's what made it all worth it because we Mm -hmm. believed that he would be him again. All right, guys. So if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me wearing and repping the cutest leggings and workout gear. Well, all of that is from my ladies at Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn on season one, which was about suicide prevention. Clone specializes in apparel for every booty and boob type. Plus, they have stuff for men as well. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up my kids and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, or showing my booty. They are squat-proof, moisture-wicking, and did I mention super affordable? I'm talking nothing over $45. They will be launching new styles, including high-waisted workout shorts this month, which I seriously cannot wait for. Check out the clone highlight on my Instagram page and make sure you follow them on Facebook and or Instagram at clone apparel. That's K-L-O-N apparel. And the link to their website is in the bio. Also, if you use the discount code candle in a dark room, one word, you will get 20% off. So make sure you check them out now. You will not regret it. And it was like three years after all this. Okay. So I'm Mm -hmm. probably, I'm 21. Okay. And I had started my real estate business, saw some success, nothing super consistent though. Mm-hmm. I had been taking Kyler to church every Sunday mm-hmm. and it just didn't feel right to me. I, I just kept having these conversations with myself, having to ask myself realistic questions. Like, Plus, everyone that I tell this story to, their first question is, do you think he'll ever be the same? 
And so I had to always ask myself that. Do I really, like realistically? Do, right. It, unless God himself were to come down on a white horse and lay his hands on my brother right. and genuinely give him a miracle, is he going to walk and talk again? You got to be realistic S- with yourself. Like scientifically. Right. Medically, is it possible? No. Right. And like being able to say that and not break down took so long because I want more than anything to hear my brother's voice again. And I want more than anything to see him live his life. I'm so curious to know what he would be like nowadays, right? Like what kind of girl he would be dating or what kind of job he would have chosen or what kind of music would he like? What car would he drive? I think about that, like who he would be if he had the opportunity Mm-hmm. to become who he was meant to be. Right. Has that caused a lot of shame, guilt, anything like that with you? And if so, how have you dealt with that? It did for a really long time. And there's still times where I have a trigger. I have mm-hmm. to be aware of my triggers, whether that's a fight with my mom or Kyler gets sick. When he gets sick, it's very difficult for me to compose myself. Mm. But again, it, it's, you know, after so long of him being so accepting too. Kyler's really kind of just embraced his situation and made Mm -hmm. the most of it. And he brings light to everybody's life that he's around. And that kind of gave me closure. Mm. You know, he didn't want to see me blaming himself. And if there's anything that my self-improvement research has taught me, it's that we're all accountable for everything that happens to us. Right. After a certain age, of course, Mm -hmm. once we learn right or wrong, you know, the path that we take, the choices we make, it does define us. And Kyler said it himself. He made the choice to drive that night. Right. He's taken accountability for his actions. You know, he's made his bed and now he literally lies in it every fucking day. He can't move. He can't express himself. He can't do the things that any normal human would be able to do. And for me, him not even being able to do like not just one of those things. He Mm -hmm. can't walk. He can't talk. He can't use the bathroom on his own. He can't eat. Mm -hmm. Every single one of those things was taken from him. Mm -hmm. And... Any God of mine would have had to at least bless him with one of those things. One simple pleasure to be able to feel human, to feel worthy of living. Because now it's conversations with Kyler that he cannot wait to die. Mm. Is he depressing about it? No, because he doesn't want to hurt my feelings. But he's made it very clear that he's only ever been here for me. Mm. And that he stuck around to ensure that I would be okay. And that I didn't follow in his footsteps. And then I did manifest my own future for myself. Mm -hmm. And now he sees that I'm doing that. He's telling me he's ready to go. Mm. A lot of the time. You know, he'll get sick. And then um, he actually was diagnosed with cirrhosis of the liver six months ago. Okay. And that is an incurable disease. Medications, what caused it? Because he's on so many medications, it deteriorates your liver. Okay. But now they've trying to cure it or sustain it with more medication right so it's kind of a counterproductive method of healing him he's just and a lot of that is mental brain capacity of like wanting to get better right Right. and like having a desire and a motivation to get better and after a certain point kyler doesn't want to right and he's in which i mean to be honest with you would anyone want to live in a situation like that Mm -hmm. trapped in your own body yeah when you were the star athlete and I can't even imagine, especially because I think a lot of times people think that when people have brain injuries or people are paraplegic or any of those type of things, they don't 
realize that they still are in there. Mm-hmm. He, like you said, he's still your brother. He's still Kyler. And so he knows what he was before. He knows who he wanted to be. And he knows he doesn't want to sit, stay in this situation. So I can't even imagine knowing that there's not really any hope for being better mm-hmm. and just having to accept that. Like that, that's so hard to comprehend. Exactly. But I think also he knows that there's better things out there for him when mm-hmm. he does go. And that's kind of what's given me peace. Right. So instead of continuing my path with believing in a higher Christ, it was more like a higher power in the universe and knowing that this was all planned out for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that when my brother chooses to go, everyone has their own definition of heaven, right? Mm -hmm. And if you're a good person and you've lived your life to the best of your ability with good intentions, I think we all get to live that own heaven that we have. That's kind of my process of belief to, to know that that's, he'll be okay. Okay. when things go that he's in a better place and I don't mm-hmm. mean that like to say like in a cliche way right but really he'll be in a better place right wherever that may be and I also know that he'll always always be watching over me mm-hmm. like he'll probably be with me more right. afterwards than he is now mm-hmm. you know and so at this point taking care of Kyler over the years and watching his struggles and seeing what he's been through and what those types of life choices lead to It's given me so much motivation to do the opposite effect in my life. Mm -hmm. So I've taken care of myself so that he can know that when he leaves, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I've built very successful businesses that give me the time and financial freedom to take care of him. Mm -hmm. He's been my why. He's been my fuel. But I can also tell that he he doesn't necessarily want to feel like I have to take care of him anymore. Right. wants me to be able to take care of me and enjoy what I've built for myself. Mm-hmm. Not feel obligated to do it anymore, mm-hmm. but to actually sit back and enjoy it. And so right. I'm kind of in that shift in my life right now where I'm learning to accept that that method of motivation worked for so long of having to take care of Kyler and needing to take care of Kyler and shifting into, okay, but you know, now I can take care of me. And Mm -hmm. it's okay to take care of me. Right. Because of the trauma that I had with my mom and and things that I went through, I constantly questioned the worth of my work and whether it was for me or everyone else around me Mm. to prove people wrong or to prove myself right. Right. So it's been a crazy journey. So how do you deal with it now? Like, because I've seen you have a couple like emotional moments like yeah. on your Instagram and being honest about it and especially with your brother um, the other day you went to see your dad a couple weeks ago and I know that brought up a lot of emotion how do you deal with it during those times and who do you have to go to I mean do you have another support system because I again I know you kind of had such a small family dynamic anyway and then now your parents are off doing their thing and then your brother so how do you deal with all that? My grandparents are still a huge support system. Okay. They share custody of me with Kyler. Okay. So we make, you know, primary and secondary decisions, you know, okay. to better his care. Mm-hmm. So they're a huge support system in it. I mean, and, not, and I got to be honest, I, I don't really, like, turn to people to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, just because the the worst of the trauma happened so long ago with the accident, right? right. It's I don't really need to talk about it anymore. I've, I've worked through it, hence why I'm able to have this conversation with mm-hmm. you today on such a level head because I've experienced it for so long. It's so normal to me. Right. You know? So when you have those moments of kind of... But having those breakdowns, again, yeah. I, I, I shift to like myself and I, and okay. I really, I, I don't look for external support. 
I really, I, again, I reflect because reflecting is what got me through treatment. It's mm-hmm. what got me in the headspace of knowing that it all happened for a bigger purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I do all, I meditate. I do a lot of like self care acts if I get into a headspace that's not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. And then I go see my brother. Like Kyler's the one who helps me get through it. Right. Because even just having a conversation with him about my problems, they seem so small. Mm. I don't even want to talk about them actually with him sometimes because it's like. Right. It just puts things. It just in reminds your, you, puts things in perspective. Perspective because mm. it's like we're so blessed to be able right. to do the simplest things in, in the world, which is to wake up every day and take care of ourselves and take a bite of food and mm-hmm. use the restroom on our own. Like such simple pleasures. That any other problem that I have in this world gets completely shrunk and and disappears as soon as I am with him. Mm. And so that's why one of the reasons why I love spending time with him is that he reminds me, like, what's really important. And how blessed I really am, which is why I do my best every single day to live a beautiful life Mm -hmm. and not apologize for who I am. Because anything can happen at the split of a second. Right. So I'm jumping out of airplanes and, you know, uh, flying over volcanoes and swimming with sharks because I have one life to live, but mm. it's also for my brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm literally living for two people in one life. Right. And I believe that. Like, I'm out there doing the best that I can that Kyler would live through me, and I, I'm doing it for both of us. I'm doing things that I know that Kyler would totally do. Right. Old Kaylee probably would have never done these things, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've kind of adopted a lot of Kyler's character was mm. instilled in me when he wasn't able to be him anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I always wanted to be like Kyler. Right. But I couldn't be. And that's one of the reasons why I hated myself because I wanted to be like him so my mom would love me like him. Right? And now I'm the perfect combination of both of us. I don't think he could be more proud of who I am as well. We're, we're both very proud of of where we're at and, and where we've come from. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I always watch your stuff that says unapologetically me. So kind of talk about that, like where you are now, which is your inspirational things that you talk about and kind of what you're doing with your coaching and things like that. Yeah, so my brand is to not apologize for who you are mm-hmm. and express yourself in a way that you don't ever have to justify to anybody because I'm constantly questioned with my methods of madness in, in being sexy and then being a real estate agent and then being a, you know, a little caring sister and then an influencer or whatever. So I have this expectation that the people mm-hmm. put on me to be a certain way. Right. And so always having that over my head, I was kind of just like, I don't have to be anybody I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just be whoever I want to be. And people love me or hate me for it. Ex- yeah, exactly. And so that's where that brand came from and sharing my story and enlightening other people has really become a passion of mine because it shows other people that they are capable if they choose, mm-hmm. like we discussed at the beginning of this. Right. If you choose to build a better life for yourself, it's completely possible. Right. But if you choose to be a product of your circumstances rather than allow them to fuel you, mm-hmm. you can only blame yourself for where you're at. Right. And so I want to help other young women, and I guess men too, but it's been more women, right? <laughs> embody those beliefs so that they can overcome their traumas as well. And like the feeling that I get of knowing that I've touched somebody's life in a way where they're really changed forever. Mm-hmm. Their entire path 
was just shifted in complete perspective because of something I was able to share with them. Mm. And I'm sure they've heard it before. Right. I haven't reinvented the wheel. Right. I'm just simply saying it in a way that resonates with them mm-hmm. because they like what I have to say. They want to hear what I have to say. Just like I could have heard it from 20 other people, but when I heard it from that one book or I read it from that one mentor, it started to resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just takes one person. It's always funny because a lot of times people are like, oh, I've been telling you that forever. Why are you listening to her? If someone's giving you advice and it's the same thing. You can hear it from many different people, but it takes sometimes the right person and the right way for this other person to explain it for someone to get it. And I think that has a lot to do with, like like you said before, therapy. Mm -hmm. You have to find the right person. You can't just go see any therapist and expect to be healed. Yeah. You know? (laughs) When you look in the mirror and you now talk about how you're so proud of who you are and you know, love yourself. How have you learned to do that? How have you learned to truly authentically love who you are on the inside and out? By setting goals and getting them done. Following so you, through. when you, exactly. And, and what I mean by that is I, you know, I've worked on myself cosmetically. A lot of people know that I've had surgeries and, and things like that. So externally, that's how I wanted to look right. Okay. But I always made sure that I was aligning my external and internal. So just as much work mm-hmm. as I was doing externally, I was doing internally consistently. Okay. And so I, you have to have that balance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will take a bad first impression of me because of my pictures, mm. but they don't read the caption. Right. So they'll look at the photo, the sexy photo, but they don't read what's going on in my mind and mm-hmm. why I felt the need to express myself that way because I didn't feel beautiful at one point. I was Mm -hmm. abused at one point. So now that I can show myself in a way that's not in a shameful way, that's something to be proud of. Right. You know? And so I practice. I say my affirmations every single day. Things that I know that I need to hear. Not Mm -hmm. just the basic ones like, you're pretty, you're this, you're that. It's, no, I need to hear that I'm extraordinary. Right. I need to hear that I am worthy. Mm. I need to hear that I'm capable. So those are the things that I tell myself, Mm -hmm. right? And learning to just love who I am because I I think when I I really found self-love was when I quit apologizing for who I was. And that's where unapologetically self-express came into fruition because that's when a light bulb went on where, hey, I can love me because I accept me. Right. And I'm not trying to conform me. And I think that's where a lot of people lose the the capability of self-love because mm-hmm. it's not about loving themselves. It's about getting other people to love them. Right. Because they have to change something or they have to shift something in order to feel accepted. Mm-hmm. But when you just start accepting yourself and caring more about your opinion of yourself than what others do, it really aligns so much in your thought process and your mentality of how you treat yourself. Exactly. How is your relationship now with your parents and kind of how do you deal with that? Like seeing your mom, is it still a trigger? And I know you, you know, had brunch with her the other day. Like how do you do that and I mean, be okay? I have to like carry the whole weight of our relationship. Keep in mind, my mom's been sober for four years. Okay. But it permanently damaged her brain. So she's oh. been diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic okay. since using the meth. And that's normal right. for anyone who's been on long term. Kind of, yeah, exactly. Right. And so for her, my mom, if she's not on her medication properly, which is 90% of the time she's not, mm. she's having conversations with people who are not there. Oh, wow. She hears many voices inside her head. She has convinced herself that God's going to come down and heal my brother. And that's what she's waiting for. Mm. So she's dedicated her life to Jesus 
so that in return he'll heal her son. And that's okay. kind of the fixation that she stays on that keeps her comforted mm-hmm. to continue living the way that she does. Mm-hmm. And so she hasn't accepted Kyler's situation. She barely even accepts that I'm not a 14-year-old little girl that she can hit anymore. Right. Or that she can punk or make Phil ugly. Do you have to, like, make sure you set those boundaries really firmly with her? I don't anymore. It's not, like, a consistent thing. But when she decided she wanted to have a relationship with me, I did set the boundaries. And okay. It took a long time to get to where we're at. There's times where I just, I can't even be around her, you know. It has to be very scheduled it's on my terms Mm -hmm. it's in my home I go pick her up she doesn't drive Mm. I buy the food I make sure she takes a shower and takes her medication like I literally feel like I have a 45 year old daughter when I'm with my mom Mm. she can't cook she's not legally allowed to like be around stoves because of her medication like she has to be taken care of Mm -hmm. but I've made a commitment to myself that it's important to maintain a relationship with her because I don't ever want to resent myself for not if anything were to happen to her right right because I do love my mom it wasn't all bad I did explain when we were kids that she was very abusive but it wasn't every day right there there were some good times and she's still your mother exactly that's the thing is I think a lot of times people think that just because you've been abused by your parents that it's okay to completely write them off, but it's a lot harder than that because you do automatically have that love. I mean, it's our parents. Exactly. And even though they, you know, if they've hurt us or whatever the situation is, we still have that unconditional love. And so the fact that you still make the effort with your mom and that you still do the things that you do with her and enjoy it mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean, and authentically care about doing it, I think is so amazing because a lot of people wouldn't do that. A lot of people would turn their back mm-hmm. on that situation because they'd be bitter or angry. And I think it just shows a lot of who you are and how much you've grown to be able to do those type of things. Thank you. Um, what about with your, um, I know you said you don't really have a relationship with your dad very much, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you see your brother often, you said, mm-hmm. and your grandparents, yeah. and they live in Vernal still? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now you're a real estate agent. You do really well with that, right? Yeah. What else are you kind of doing to just better your life right now? Um, I'm actually, my coaching program will be officially be launched um, in I keep saying two weeks, two weeks, because I've I've restructured it quite a bit. I just get so many new ideas, and I want to perfect it, and I want to do it in a way where I'm genuinely adding value to Mm. other women's lives. Right. I I, I will say I'm never going to be the coach that's going to hold your hand and tell you everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to shove you off a cliff, (laughs) give you the tools necessary to fly, and say go spread your wings. Which is going to be the right way to do it. Exactly. So I'm basically setting up a program where people have to commit to themselves on a level of a completely new lifestyle. Mm. which is implementing daily habits, Mm -hmm. routines, schedules, disciplines, things that they've never done before. Mm -hmm. This is simple shit that they're not going to want to do. Like go writing in their gratitude journal or making a vision board. Right. Stuff that they're going to be like, really? Do I have to do that? And it's going to (laughs) be like, yeah, you made a commitment, you know, initially. It's going to make a difference. And you want to know how, where I'm at right now? What, or what, how I got here? Mm -hmm. This is how. I'm literally breaking down everything that I ever did to get myself where I'm at. And I'm dividing it into three different programs where people can choose the level of life that they want to get, get to. If they want to oh, start wow. out small, so it's like small, medium, large, right. right? And each one will have, okay, these are the things that you're going to be doing. Mm. So they're full-blown prepped. I'm going to have to make a vision board. I'm going to have to 
videotape myself saying my affirmations every day. I'm going to have to come up with a business plan mm -hmm. and write my gratitude journal. And there's so many things that it's just building new habits. Like, again, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Right. I'm just teaching it in a way that resonates with these people because they see what I've been able to create. Mm -hmm. And it's these simple steps that have gotten me where I'm at. Well, I was going to say, I've noticed that with you is you're very consistent with things, with your workouts and your daily things that you do. And, you know, I think that, that, again, like you said, that consistency, especially for people that only, at least from my experience, people who've been through trauma, that is the way that we're going to be able to fully heal and continue to be healed mm -hmm. is to have that consistency to be able to push ourselves. And if not, then we're just going to sit in it. We're just going to sit in that trauma and we're just not going to grow. And so what you're doing every day and how you're putting it, the work in every single day is making you consistently grow. But I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Yeah. Like I said, I just love your posts and we've talked a little bit here and there on Instagram. But honestly, like you said, I think people look at you at first and just think you're just this beautiful girl that just like posts pictures of herself and like work out, whatever. But when you post your posts and you read your captions and you post your videos, I am blown away every single time almost to tears because, and I have cried a couple times when I messaged you, but we know the one when you were going to Vernal because I love that you're so real and honest and you don't sugarcoat everything. You're not like, you know, I look so great on the outside and this and that and all this stuff, you know, sugarcoated and rainbows and butterflies all the time. No, you're honest. Like, yeah, you've accepted your, where your brother is, but it still sucks. It still hurts. It isn't better. You know what I mean? He's not getting better, but you've just it's had to learn how to accept it. But make again, right, yeah. make the most of it, accept it, and be able to forgive yourself for whatever guilt you had in the past. And I think that that took so much work and dedication. And honestly, I'm just really like look up to you and like who the person you are today. So thank you. thank you for sharing your story with us. Absolutely. And you guys, make sure you follow her on K underscore Jenkins. It is J-E-N-K-I-N-S dot co. That's her Instagram handle. So follow her. If you have any questions, message her. You can also DM me and I can give you more of her information. But again, thank you so much. You guys, make sure you look out for her coaching that she's going to be launching hopefully in a couple of weeks. Yes, it's coming, I promise. <laughs> so again, thank you again, and I hope you guys follow at Candle in a Dark Room, and we will talk to you guys next time.